today on It's Time. But pride will stop a person from the reality of what happens when you rebel against God. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Bible says God holds all things together. And by nature, the very atoms should explode and come apart because you have a group of, of, of neutrons and protons that should by nature repel themselves, clustered together, and this is what people can't figure out, how it all works. Well, again, it's just simply God's power that makes things happen. Well, he tells us, you made heaven the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. As we look at this from Psalms chapter 2, what is this saying? Now notice... This comes from them healing a guy, those guys being interrogated by the temple police. They then go back to their brethren and they begin to share their experience. And out of their experience comes a prayer or a recollection of God's word in Psalms chapter 2. But what is it that they're saying? Notice this. You want to know why life fish swim upstream, and dead fish float downstream, this is a good place to see it. Why did the nations rage? The Bible here, number one, if you like to underline things in your Bible, I've underlined nations rage, number one. Nations rage against God. Because the spirit of man is contrary to the spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. It's not within man to live righteously, the Bible says. So we can't be good on our own if we tried. But the nations rage. Furthermore, it says, and the people plot a vain thing. Now, I've underlined the word plot and put a two by it. So the first one, we find nations raging. The second thing, we find them plotting. You don't think there's a conspiracy in the unseen world to do away with the purposes and the plans of God? Do you realize the Bible says that the battle that we fight is not in the physical realm, it's in the spiritual realm? Unfortunately, sometimes these spirits are in people and we see their effect. But there is a desire of the underworld to scourge the world of anything that has anything to do with God. 
I don't think you have to really examine it very far to see that that's the case. You look at our own nation, for instance. We were founded on Christian principles. If you go to the Washington area, you see the, the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson and all these different ones, all speaking in some way about God. And yet that is all trying to be scrubbed away in the modernist ideas as they now try to reprogram a whole group of young people, as an example, going through school. Well, they plot vain things, empty things, the word vain means. Notice 26, it says, the kings of the earth took their stand. So it says, not only do they rage, but they're emboldened in their behavior against God. Now you say, why is this important? Because understanding your enemy will help you better understand how to make your plan as God directs you. The kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together. Now notice it doesn't say their ruler was gathered together. It's their rulers. You say, why is that important? Because it's a global thing. You've heard of that of late? The global initiative? The one world order? Well, the Bible talks about that. In fact, it's very clear in the days that we live that there is going to be, ultimately, a one world order. And we know that in this one world order, it's going to have a religion, but it's going to be a a religion that denies the power of God. It also tells us that there's going to be a ruler that's going to rule over this one world order. And the Bible says that he's going to receive a head wound and he's going to recover from the head wound. And at that point, many believe that he's actually supernaturally, demonically possessed. In which the world says, who is able to make war with this guy? Finally, a world leader we can believe in. I don't know who it is. There are some people that believe he'll come out of the Middle East. Some people believe that maybe he's alive right now. I don't know. But I do know one thing, that the world will embrace him as a world leader. And we find his coming to power very clearly in Revelation chapter 6, where it talks about a guy on a white horse goes out conquering and to conquer. What is surprising about Revelation 6, in the first couple of verses there, is it says that he has a bow in his hand. But I don't know if you know anything about it. But a bow's not a lot of good unless you got some arrows. He didn't have any arrows. Somebody would say, well, what's the idea behind that? He goes out conquering and to conquer with a bow, but no armament. Or at least not all of it. Some people believe that he's going to go out diplomatically conquering and to conquer. And what follows this white horse, the first one, we know is death and disease and destruction. The world has a system. The rulers of the world, I believe, motivated by the devil himself, have been in formulation, I believe, for the days that we are currently entering into. If you didn't know those things, if you read the newspaper, you'd be totally spazzed out. But because we do know what the Bible says, we say, oh, I see. So don't be soon troubled or shaken in mind when you see these things forming, because, I, again, I believe it's simply a fulfillment 
of what Psalms chapter 2 says, repeated for us here in Acts chapter 4, and finally fulfilled in Revelation, uh, the entire book. And so it says, the kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and His Christ. That's why the ruler of the world order that is being formed as we speak, uh, that's why the Bible calls him the Antichrist, because he's against God's Messiah. Verse 27, For truly, against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Isn't it amazing that here the Bible very clearly tells us that it wasn't just the Jewish nation that crucified Christ. It says the Gentile nation did as well. I thought it was kind of interesting if you don't do any study of world history that Adolf Hitler, one of the things of, of his uniting uh, Germany and Europe together was the hatred of the Jews and blaming them for all the problems in the world and they killed Christ. Well, actually, friends, the Hebrews couldn't do whatever they wanted to do. The nation of Israel were subject to the Roman powers. In other words, if Pontius Pilate would have said, let him go, Jesus would have walked out of there on that day. So who killed Jesus might be the question. Well, this verse here tells you it was the Jews and the Gentiles, both with their plot together to do what they wanted to do. But it was only in God's knowledge of what was happening. You know, it's kind of funny because people have asked the question, does God make things happen out there? Or does God already know what's going to happen and he just allows us to pray to make it happen? I don't know. It really doesn't change anything, does it? All God's called you and me to do is be faithful servants, do what he's called us to do. You'll see the power of God. You'll see it change. People say, well, you know, the book of Revelation is a scary book. In fact, you'll find this in some of your modernist churches that really have abandoned God's word. They'll say things like, well, the book of Revelation is what would happen unless we all unite together and share the world, you know, and things like that. No, the book of Revelation is going to happen, period. Had a question today on every man and answer. Question was, the Bible says to pray for our enemies. And of course, Satan is an enemy, so should we pray for him? Well, the Bible tells us that Satan is totally fallen. There's no redemption possible for him. Somebody might say, well, how is that possible? I mean, as a matter of fact, he knows the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and, and we remember that he was quoting him scripture. Why is it that he couldn't read his own demise in Revelation and repent? Friends, pride is what stops people from changing. You can talk to a person on their deathbed and say, do you know in a matter of hours you're going to die? And if there is a life hereafter, do you know where you're going to go? 
And in their pride, they'll say, I don't believe that stuff. What's the problem with that? I don't believe. It's all centered on me. I, it's what? Now, if there's a chance, one in a hundred million, trillion billion, that hell is real. I would want to take every precaution I can not to go there. That's just, I'm kind of a betting guy, you know. And I look at the odds. And if there's a chance that there's a life hereafter, I would not want to take a chance on going to the wrong place. But what's also amazing in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says God has written on men's heart eternity. So every person on this earth, really, unless you just want to pave it over with playing your radio really loud or staying stoned or drunk all the time, you know that there's something more to this life than meets the eye, the Bible says. But pride will stop a person, or in the case of Satan, a being, from the reality of what happens when you rebel against God. Well, understanding what pride does to a person... What pride does to anyone, it changes a person's ability to think logically. And so, there is no repentance for the devil. God has already told us that in his word. There's no place in the Bible where to ever pray for the devil. And as a matter of fact, in the last couple of chapters of Revelation, it speaks concerning that he will be thrown in the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. Now you say, why is that important? Because, going back to this verse, whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. David said, you're my life. We're like a, a book that's been written. We're just getting to read it. And you think about that for a minute. You're not as much of you as you think you is. <laughs> you ever think about that? We, we've been over this so many times, but it always bears repeating. You don't make who you are. You discover who you are. That's why, have you ever wondered why, you know, I just love messing around with computers, or I just love messing around with cars, or I just love fishing, or I just love boating, or I just love flying a kite, or whatever. And somebody else would look and go, hey man, if it don't burn gas, it ain't no fun. See, some would look at what you do and think, that's geek world. Get some tape on those bifocals. Because you're in geek land. But somebody else that likes that stuff, that's all they want to do. Have you ever noticed that? Doesn't, isn't that a little bit of a mystery? And you can't make yourself do something. Have you ever tried to learn something, perhaps, and you just say, I just don't get it. Like maybe old people trying to turn a computer on. I just don't get it. We have some people that work here at the Dell Center answer a lot of questions concerning computers. People call in, my computer doesn't work, and so they'll step them through the process trying to help them make their computer work. Lady calls up and says, my drink holder does not work on my computer anymore. And he said, drink holder? What is the drink holder? Well, you know, that tray that comes out, I set my coffee cup on that in the morning. It's where you're supposed to put the CD. Another question. The computer says to return back, I need to press any key. Which key is the any key? These are true. 
Another one was, I can't get my computer to come on. Is it plugged in? Yes, it is. I have an interruptible power supply and it doesn't work. Well, is that plugged in? Yes, it is. After talking to the person for several minutes, they figured out that the person had plugged the interruptible power supply into itself and then plugged the computer into the interruptible power supply, never ever connecting it to the wall. What you do and how you think, I believe, is so important in understanding who we are in God. And if you're on a quest to know who you are, you better consult the one who made you because he knows how you're made. The Bible says that from the foundations of the world, God knew you and me. So that would tell me something. I better find out who I am. I think it was years ago, the Who wrote a song, Who Are You? I think apart from God, you'll never know. I think the world can try to tell you who who they think you are. But unless you know God, I don't think you'll really ever know. Because, see, that's the problem. We hear so many voices, we don't hear the voice. And that's the one we need to listen to. To do whatever your hand, your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look upon our hearts. Or, excuse look upon our threats. Just checking you. Look upon our threats. And grant your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that the signs and wonders may be done through the, your name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They pray. Now, sometimes we know that God answers in time. Sometimes we don't. And something we can know this is that when we pray, um, we always get an answer from God. Yes, no, and wait. I, 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 I'm, I, I always like yes. I'm learning to like no. Wait is hard, right? Now, you kind of grow up in the Lord a little bit. You begin to appreciate no. Um, because God helps us not get into trouble. I would just invite you, before you buy something, before you date somebody, before you sign a contract, pray and say, God, should I be signing this? Should I be doing this? Because God may say no. And you may get mad at God initially, but God is preventing you from being hurt. And sometimes, and sometimes not very much in the future, you'll see, oh, God, thank you that I didn't do that. That's because you prayed. Now, waiting is a little bit harder, but in this particular case, what we're reading about tonight, the answer was immediate. Notice verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, that is pretty neat. They prayed. They asked God to give them boldness. I I, I think that's important. Verse 29 again. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and kill them right now. No, it doesn't say that, does it? 
That's what we like sometimes, huh? No, they prayed not for their change, but for, for, their, for who was withstanding them. They prayed for their personal change. And that is, God, give us boldness so we can match up to their threats. Oftentimes I find I always try to pray and make God change the other person. Well, now God, you know, if you get them in a wrestling match, and you get them in a half Nelson down on the, on the floor, on the pad, I know they'll say uncle. I look at how these guys prayed. They said, God, not so much to change them, but to change me. And God give me boldness to be able to stand up to what they're doing. I like that. And the Bible then says, And where they were assembled, it was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. God gave them the answer to their prayer. See, this is what the Holy Spirit does. See, I, I like to look at this because I like to look at the normal, and then I like to look at the Abbey normal. I like to look and see what happens without God, and then you add God and the Holy Spirit in there, and all kinds of things change. And I like that. I, I don't believe that we were designed by God to live in ruts. I just don't. And I know that God has a way of taking us out of a rutted life and putting us into a life that is dependent upon Him. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you know what? If you're in Christ, God is already there. And He'll show you what you're supposed to do. Trusting Him. Better than trusting yourself. Better than trusting the advice of people who don't know God. I believe there's strength in numbers. I believe there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But nevertheless, it's still what God has told you to do and how he's told you to do it. How important that is in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we looked at your word tonight, when we're under the gun, when we're threatened, God, we go to the brethren and they encourage us. And we can share our heart. And they minister. And Father, that we pray together. And we get rejuvenated so we go back out in boldness again. Father, remind us that this side of heaven, we're going to have tribulation. But you know, your word says that we need to be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. And so, Father, help us understand that oftentimes when people don't act the way they're supposed to, that, Lord, they're oftentimes manipulated by the things of this world. Our reaction sometimes is to get angry with them or become impatient. But your word has told us to seek you and be filled with your spirit. So, Father, tonight, help us trust you, rest in you, that you're going to see us through it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.